Hey, Father. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. I love my outfit. So what story are we telling this week? Amazing. I mean, I'm kind of scared, but I've been waiting for this. Amazing. Call back later. Ah! You guys, this week we're talking all about David and Bathsheba. If you know, you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ know that this story is crazy. Welcome to another episode of Bible Historias con Brianda. Brianda. I, I'm, I'm nervous. Claire and Clara behind the board. Okay. Clara, I'm nervous about this week. Why? <sighs> okay. Okay. Wow. Hi, Tangi off the top. <laughs> Clara, very rarely does this happen to me. Okay. But there are some stories that are so famous, like David and Bathsheba. Like, mm -hmm. you know about Solomon and the cutting the baby in half. You knew that you're not even mm -hmm. Christian at all. Sort of. Your grandmother was Christian. Yeah. But anyway, um, very rarely do I get thrown by, like, new discoveries. I mean, I don't want to say rarely. I get thrown by a lot of new discoveries. I'm not that smart. Um, but I'm also, like, a babe in the faith still. Mm -hmm. But this week in preparation for this episode, I discovered something for the first time that was it hit me right in the face like beep beep ob obvious alert obvious alert and for so many for like the last two years i've been reading it and i missed it entirely what is it it makes king david look really bad <gasps> yes we'll talk about that later i don't want to jump the gun <gasps> um welcome guys to another episode thank you so much for the amazing feedback from last week's episode clara listen give it up for clara she is cutting these episodes this is clara she this first of all and sh she does not have a background in this guys she is going in there like doe-eyed but also eager to learn and work and you are doing experimental things you know i'm i'm mm. an experimental girl and i just i rock with you so much because you are so um driven and you won't stop until something's done right. Mm. I am the same way. And when you find someone who works that way, you also don't have like, you have like negative ego. What, I don't know what, what, what is, what's negative ego? Like no ego. Oh, oh sorry. No, okay. not negativo. Como okay. que negative bajo de cero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you are sub zero okay. ego. And it's just been a, such a pleasure to work with you. Thank you. Last week's episode is already top five for me. Plus we had Nina, but it was mostly about last week's editing. I'm super proud of you. And I mean, obviously we collaborate, but mm -hmm. you go out and do your own thing and add your own flair. And I'm so happy about it. And thank, um, you. thank you. I love you. And I appreciate you a lot. We're going to make a lot of money together. Let's make it. Um, I, I know we said we're not going to do a listener question this week because we have to dive right in. Uh, normally we have the tail end schedule of the podcast. We don't this week. There is someone coming in after. But I want to say a couple things before we start. Uh, in place of listener questions. Sorry, guys, we'll hit you with double next week or something. I don't know. I just want to say something. Piggybacking off of what I was just saying about Clara and her work, I am so proud of us, and I am so proud of Bible stories in general. You know, I see the way the show looks online, and you just got to be objective. It looks good. There's talent all around. We're destined for success. And I can't tell you how, oh, like gr gratifying, but also validating it feels to to finally be like, oh, 
I'm not drowning anymore. Like I'm, mm. I'm steady now. All we got to do is time and consistency and meeting the right people. It's how it feels like. Mm -hmm. I've always had all these other impediments, whether they be finances, whether they be working with people who change up or, or maybe I change up and it doesn't work later, you know, mm -hmm. but I, for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm taking control over my career. I'm taking control over what I create. I create every week. No excuses. It's go time, baby. And mm -hmm. I see our quality. We're different. We're top. Mm -hmm. We're at the top. I just, I can feel it. Yeah. And I'm super proud. And I never, I'm, I'm not one to big up, but I'll say it this week because I'm on a high and I, I want to record this. These podcasts, aside from for you guys, which is the most important part, is I love, and I, I don't know, this is what it's about, is you guys. I have I, to I, say, sorry to cut you, but what? I have to say, since I opened up my Instagram, you have the most loyal and like supportive fans yeah. ever. They are amazing. They're so great. And they are, yeah. it's seeing, and this is the beginning. So you know that those people, those ads that I'm seeing now, I'm remembering those names. Mm -hmm. I won't forget. And I want to squeeze y'all, you know, I'm vaccinated, <laughs> but like I, I'm, I'm ready. But what I was going to say before was, um, I, oh crap, I forgot. Sorry, it's forgot. okay. ADHD's bad, <laughs> but I'm just so proud. I'm proud. And I wanted to like big up ourselves. I never do that enough. And this show is like a journal for me, an audio journal. And it should be an audio journal for you too, where I want to look back five years from now and be like, that was the shift. Mm-hmm that that right there and i want to encapsulate this moment because i feel damn good and a lot of days i don't so really yes. cool and i really like my outfit if you guys are not on the youtube gosh one second breaches one sec god i'm always crying but listen um i want to give a shout out to my outfit today if you're not watching the YouTube, please watch the YouTube. Yes, I am trying to bottleneck the listeners to go to the YouTube channel. Yes, if I make visual references, it's because I do want you to go to the YouTube. Um, this outfit, I love my hair today. I'm, I'm a little more bare-faced. I like that. But my hair inspiration comes from my homegirl, Louisa, um, Louisa Popovich. She's an amazing hairstylist and just overall stylist in general. She's a whiz on... Um, just like creating and like creative direction. And I'm so inspired. It's so crazy to have friends. It's not crazy. It's my reality. A lot of my friends are successful. A lot of my friends are badass and I'm fans of a lot of my friends. And what a place of privilege. Mm -hmm. I, I saw she did one of my favorite musical artists, Earth Eater, real ones know. She did her hair and my hair right now is inspired by that. Uh, Louisa has a company, her company called um, uh, Freaky Beautiful, at Freaky Beautiful on all things on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, go follow her. She's amazing. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that to everyone. Okay, maybe. No, I really don't. When it comes to good art, when I'm pretty snobby, I would mm. say. And this girl's the real deal. And she's my freaking homie. And I'm so proud of you. Anyways, boom, we all get wins. You okay? look amazing. I told you. When I saw you, I was like, Okay. <sighs> yes. Like I, I literally wanted to tweet out, someone take me on a date. Someone take me out because I cannot just go home and take this off just for Bible. Okay. Anywho, I'm, I'm, I'm in a really good mood today. Let's see what happens. Let's see what we cook up. Yeah. Let's hop into the story. Yeah. Let's get into it. So this week we are coming off a high, not like marijuana high, like a spiritual high. <laughs> Last week we talked about second Samuel chapters one to four. This week we're going to dabble into Second Samuel's chapters 5 to 11. And like we said in last week's episode, Second Samuel was not written by Samuel. 
but was written by two prophets, Gad and Nathan. And Nathan will make an appearance later on in the episode. So we left off. David is now appointed king, not just informally with some oil dripping off uh, Samuel's hand in the back of a house. No, like officially he, he is king of the kingdom, king of Israel, king of the promised land. And uh, he becomes king at around 30 years old. And just like more info for you context, he ends up ruling for, I believe it was like 40 years. And at this point, everybody, everyone knows what he's about. David is winning battles left and right. He's gaining more power, not just power over like tribal territories, not just power over enemy land, but power in trust, in trust and love and respect from his people because the best and uh, the greatest leaders, what makes them great is they're respected in a real way by the community that they are leaders over. Uh, and they, the, the town want to protect him. They love David in a real way. Let's dive into some scripture so that we can really understand the, the intensity of that, you know, adoration and respect for David. Second Samuel chapter five, verses one to three. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, behold, we are your bone and flesh in times past when Saul was king over us. It was you who led and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, you shall be shepherd of my people Israel and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. So we know that love is real at this point in the story. And at this point, uh, Philistia, because remember David was in Philistia with the whole ruse while Saul was trying to kill him. He actually ended up camping out at Philistia. Well, they had a little mini baby truce happening. No, no, that ain't happening no more because Philistia hears word that David is now king of the entire land, not just a fraction of it. And they start getting scared. You know what I'm saying? Anytime you see someone acquire that much power, could you imagine if like all of a sudden King Young Um started, was dictator of more than just North Korea? Yeah, that's dangerous. Uh, that'd be kind of scary. scary, yeah. Sorry. So like enemy territory, you know that they're acquiring all this land. They're like, oh no, I think we got to square up. So they start having these battles. And I mean, I could go into deeper detail, but there's so much of the next chapters to get into. But they have two battles uh, against Philistia where, of course, God provides. God promised David that he was going to hand over uh, these enemy territories, Philistia, the battles that he was at to David. He promised him David was going to be a victor. David trusted God because we know that David's heart was with God. So they say, no, I'm kidding. No, they were, they were, okay, they were. Listen, the Bible is conflicting. The Bible is not easy to read. It's tough pills to swallow. Today, I don't know if I'm a fan of David. I feel gypped. I feel bamboozled. I feel betrayed. Oh, we loved him last week. Okay, well, hold on. Again, we're getting there. But um, anyways, at this point, we all love him. We're about to hate him very, very soon in the episode. <laughs> so like I said, David is at a high right now. And he's in such a high, 
He wants to celebrate with the Lord. You know, when you're like super pumped uh, and your faith is on a hundred, like y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Even if you're not of faith, like when you're, when you're um, feeling like, oh my gosh, is the world conspiring in my favor? One, like one of those days. So David wants to celebrate. He says, you know what? It's about time that the Ark of the Covenant comes back to us. Because at this point, David, now that he was king, he created a new, like a capital, a new capital for Israel, Jerusalem. And um, I, 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 there was also a, a stronghold made for him, a stronghold for those of you that don't know, it's kind of like a, a protection um, uh, corridor, a protection home to house him during times of war. Like, I mean, what do they say about presidents in the US? A bunker? Oh, like anytime there's something serious, mm -hmm. like they, his people made him that, you know, this is the point where, where David is in his reign. And he gets so excited. He wants to bring the Ark back. The Ark was uh, presently at the time of Saul's rule. The Ark was in uh, a town called Kiriath Jerim. Wow. Hebrew people must be like, where? Stop it! <laughs> yeah. Where? Please. I know. Don't make me say it again. Okay, I'll try it again. You guys, no, I'm not. He takes it from one town where Saul had it, and then he wants to bring it back to Jerusalem, okay? I can say Jerusalem, okay? I can say Jerusalem and assalamu alaikum and Jesus Christ. What else? What's good, Clara? <laughs> Anyways, so King David makes his priests, he commands them to bring the ark. He has uh, two priests, because you know, only uh, priests can carry the ark from place to place. At this point, the ark had been moving around, remember? So he gets Uzzah, son of Abinadab, who was a priest, to carry the car uh, a cart carrying the ark with another priest named Ahio. Now, for those of you guys who don't remember from Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we know how important the transportation of the ark is. There are a bunch of rules. Like anyone who is not familiar with the word of God would think that God was being a troll. That is how specific he was being with these rules, with transporting the ark of the covenant. It was a divine, like in all seriousness, it's like a divine rule where Again, we already know only priests can transport it. Ain't nobody can touch it. Ain't nobody can touch it. Like not even Moses, you know what I'm saying? Nobody can. So David commands those two priests to bring it and they, on their way to bringing it, the cart hits a rock. And then all of a sudden the cart wobbles over, destabilizing the Ark of the Covenant. So... Uzzah goes to grab his hand to, to grab it from falling and he touches the ark. <gasps> yeah. And you know what God does in that moment? God strikes him dead. What? Right then and there, he strikes him dead. Why? He, he saved it. Okay, hold on. Because actually, David was mad at the Lord by this. David said, Lord, don't you think that was a bit much? I mean... Uzzah was just, was just trying to help it from falling, right? Let's go to scripture so we have a little bit more context. Scripture, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 8 through 9 of the book of 2 Samuel. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and the place is called Perizah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me then? You know, so at this point, we have a couple key information. We know that David doesn't always like what God does. 
Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not about what you like. Let's dissect this. Because upon reading it, you would think Azar is innocent. Like he was just a simple mistake. He was going to save him. He was going to whatever. Mm-hmm. What do we know about God though? We know that God is a just God. It doesn't always look pretty, but he's just. And we know that when it comes to the rule of, uh, uh, the rule that applies for priests and people in positions of power are far more grave than they are for normal everyday people. The punishment is way more grave. We've already known that. If anything, God is keeping it consistent. Why? You make, you're making a face. Yeah, I'm making a, a question face. What if, because I'm imagining the situation and I imagine the, the, the priest just like as an impulse, you know, like almost without thinking it, just like with good intentions trying to save it. What, like even if it's with good intentions that you do something, but like. So Let me tell you something right now. The Bible is like a puzzle and it makes you work. It doesn't just want to spoon feed to you things that you see. Like the text may say that, but let's do some digging knowing what we already know as fundamental truths, we're using laws of hermeneutics. Even if you're not Christian, you can use the laws of hermeneutics because they apply for any reading of a biblical text. Mm -hmm. We know that God is a just God and we know that God is always right. We know this. It's all according to God's plan. These are are like fundamental truths, Mm -hmm. static truths. Now let's start brainstorming. Could it be that maybe along that long voyage from that town to Jerusalem, the town that I can't pronounce, to Jerusalem. Maybe throughout that long ride, Uzzah had been thinking about touching the ark, taking the ark, selling the ark, or something, whatever have you. Mm -hmm. And maybe he pushed the cart towards the rock so it would wobble, so maybe he could have an excuse to touch it. Maybe he was trying to find a way around it. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's just one, that's one, that's one, that's one. Mm-hmm. My second hypothesis is David. David. What's up with David? David did not consult the Lord about transporting that ark. Of course, David was doing it to celebrate God. Of course, that can't be bad, right? He no, never consulted bad. something as... The, the ark is not something that you can just do, ligero. The ar- transporting the ark always requires direction and orders from God. That's bad. And I'll give you that one. The second one is bad. But what? he punished the poor guy who tried to save it. Like he should have punished David if anything for... Oh, David's going to get his. But listen, it, what, but here's the thing. It's, it's, um, we have free will. And I think that this is uh, important to note. Like someone who took the job seriously would know you're not supposed to touch that period. Let David let, let David then suffer those consequences. Like let's just say he let it like he lets it fall. No one touches it though. No one touches it. His fate would have been different. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? But again, I think that there are multiple factors here, like the butterfly effect. Like, and and again, we're just percolating here. I, these ideas are, are we're just brainstorming, mm-hmm. where you were reading the Bible actively to maybe like turn something else on. um, The truth of the matter is I don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is also, it's not about me finding the answers. Let the spirit guide you, man. Let the spirit guide you. I know that sounds wishy-washy for some of you, but if you know, you know, and you go, no. 
listen, I would love, Kanye and Jay, I would love to see where Clara is by episode 50. She's going to be reciting scripture at the bodegas to certain men. <laughs> May God be with you, brother. <laughs> like, but wait, listen, I'm going to put my money on her. I, mean, I knew I could convert Wheezy. You're going to be a tougher, a tougher nut to crack. No, I don't, no offense, but I don't think I can convert. Like, I'm very Not interested. Take it, honey. So at this point, Azaz dead and David is scared. He's afraid. Not afraid in that he believes that the, the Lord is going to torment him. Yet, you know, that's no way to live. You know, when we say we fear God, it's not, oh, like a horror movie, fear. Oh my goodness, what's he going to do to me? God, a belief in God, does quite the opposite. Uh, we have reverence for him. And so when there are consequential things that could happen, you... Uh, you believe and love God so much that the, the result of that is obedience. Does that make sense? Anywho, when I say that David was afraid at this point for killing Azah, I think that's just, it's, it's not the afraid from the Bible. Um, it's not afraid like dictionary, Webster's Dictionary afraid. It's more like severe, intense reverence. Capiche? At this point, David is scared. He's actually like, you know what? Let's just leave the ark where it is. Let's just leave it right there. I don't even want to touch it. Okay. So they end up leaving it uh, in uh, Obed-Edom for three months. And when the Ark is in that territory, that land is raking it in abundance. So many blessings. The other cities in the promised land end up hearing about this town getting all this abundance because we know anywhere the Ark goes, blessings pour down on them. So David hears from this three months later. He's like, okay, ya está bueno. let's bring it over to Jerusalem. Let's go back to the original plan. Let's bring it over. And so they bring the, the ark over to Jerusalem and David is overjoyed. The people around him are overjoyed. All of his wives and his, his harem of women are, are overjoyed. Uh, all except one, Michal, Saul's daughter because you know that she's one of his wives. Mm -hmm. She sees David's happy, go lucky behind, dancing around the ark, doing all the kind of sounds, you know, in front of everyone. He seems so gratuitous, maybe crying here or there, like an NBA player who just won a championship, so happy. And McCall's looking at him like, I don't buy it. <laughs> McCall's looking at him like, he didn't answer my text messages. And now he's going to sleep with Heather? <laughs> like, I don't know if that's not her name, but you know what I mean? She was jealous, okay? So she was mad. McCall was mad, okay? Let's dive into some scripture. Okay, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse uh, 20 through 21. And David returns to bless his household. But McCall, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today uncovering himself today before the eyes of the servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michal, woman, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as a prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. Wow. Okay, babe? That's what David says back to McCall. Now, to be fair, McCall's capping a little bit because she says you're naked in front of them dancing. Why are you naked in front of them dancing? Like, you didn't even invite me. When 
in the text, it actually says David did have a robe. David had a formal robe on. He wasn't desnudo totalmente. He mm -hmm. was not all the way butt naked. I think you just, you, you cap. When you're hurt, when you're hurt by something, sometimes you create different realities. Yeah, but if you're David, like if you're on the other side of the story, you can understand why she camping or you oh yeah camping, but here's the thing that's communication why are you uh, i mean look at me now i sound like a dude i do i'm a call i normally like and when i'm in relationships with dudes i'm like ah why is this water bottle here if i don't want attention or if i'm like feeling needy or like i need to spice something up i need to know that you still love me let me <gasps> ruffle some feathers here it's honestly <laughs> not complain no <laughs> water bottle Honestly, I don't know why I do it. I'm big enough to admit that I do it. It's not, good. I'm not proud of it, but I, I be doing that sometimes. And you know what? My exes did not deserve it. God, I hope they're not listening to this. You're wrong still. <laughs> I don't know. How are you in a relationship, Clara? You're the one in a relationship here. Yeah. So you say pasota. I don't know how you say that. Um, like, I don't really be caring so much. Great. You're hot and you're chill. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, you are. And I, and that's why I really, I am the same way. I don't fight with people. I just like nag, I guess, like a little nagging, but honestly, just everyone can be nagging. I'm, I'm sure if you ask my boyfriend, I'm nagging too. Sometimes. If I don't get enough attention, I'll do stuff. I'll do stuff. And I'm not sorry about it. Another important thing to know, guys. McCall never had David's kids, and David had a lot of kids, but she died childless. I mean, could you blame her? She was pissed. It's indicative of a relationship that wasn't resolved. They had communication issues, obviously. Lies, manipulation. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, David also ripped her from her second husband. He didn't ask her. He just did it. You know what I'm saying? That girl, mm -mm, I know she resented David at some point or something. I don't know. But anyways, that's the end of McCall. No kids for her. But stay tuned for more of David's women issues. I believe now's a good point to talk to you guys about Nathan, the prophet who's writing this book that we're reading right now. Uh, he was a prophet. And in the Old Testament, the main uh, responsibility of a prophet was obviously to prophesy the messages and the things, uh, the important messages from the Lord to the people. But another really important part for uh, a part of the job description was that prophets served as a checks and balance system for kings. Like we know, and we've seen time and time again, we are flawed people. We are stiff-necked people. We're bound to fumble. And we've known this from the days of Joshua leading people into the promised land, from the days of Moses, from the days of Abraham, to Adam and Eve. We fall. So David consults on Nathan being his prophet on many things, right? And David is overjoyed. He The ark of the covenant is in his land, the city of David. And he asks Nathan, you know what? I feel so good right now. I feel so darn good, Nathan. Do you think the Lord would be okay with me building him a home? Come on, man. The Lord hasn't had a proper house in so many years. Come on, man. You think he'd be okay with that? And Nathan tells David, 
David, follow your heart. You can do whatever you want. Just follow your heart, okay? Do that. But wait! We find out that Prophet Nathan was wrong. Therefore, now humanizing prophets, okay? Because the Lord has a conversation with Nathan right after Nathan greenlit the house building with David. And the Lord goes, hey now, hey now, hey now. I don't want him building no house for me. I build a house for him. Let's hop into some scripture for some context. Scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 to 13. It's a little bit girthy. So grab your snacks, close your eyes, sit tight. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. Who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom? Oh my God, I'm getting chills. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That is what the Lord tells Nathan to tell David. He's basically telling Nathan to tell David, hey now, you don't need to build me a house. I'm building you a house as we speak. Your family line is going to see something grand, something great. Humanity is going to be saved one day through your family line, and that is a prophecy. You feel me? Real ones? No. We talking about JC there. JC. Question. Jesus. Jesus. What? Wasn't he mad at David because he was transporting the ark and now he's giving him a house? Oh, no. Okay. So um, I don't know if you, if you missed this, but David uh, ended up leaving the ark in a certain area because he ended up having so much reverence for yeah, the Lord. For like, oh my God, I'm so sorry for whatever I did. You know, like that scared him a mm -hmm. lot. So he left it there for three months. Yeah. Throughout that time, you know, David has repented and you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason why he um, um, left it there. It was so, because he didn't even feel worthy of having it, you know, around him. He yeah. knew that he had made a mistake. Oh, and that's enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it I'm says saying, it. I'm only saying what the Bible says. That's not a Brianda thing. That's a, obviously. I'm just saying I think it's a little drastic to kill the one that tries to save the ark. But, but and... listen, the God, God, the God, God already knows this. And God has something coming for David. Okay. Just, you have to, yeah, you got to wait it out. And that's it. But that's the thing. When you're reading the Bible, you do feel that way. Like, wait, what happened? That happens a lot, Clara. Mm. Like, wait, he just is over it now? And he's not over it with some people? Mm. It's up to you as, um, as someone with biblical curiosities mm -hmm. to read it and then read it again and then read it again. Like I said, I just found out a part of ba David and Bathsheba that I didn't even realize. I read that story countless times. Mm. So you're always discovering new things. Mm, okay. And don't. And here's the thing, though. When I was an atheist, and I'll say this for any atheists or non-believers or people on the fence reading the book who really want to read it with spirit forward, mm -hmm. like with an open lens, the, um, the one thing that uh, got in the way of my allowing God to speak to me through the story is me being super, like, logical, intellectual when I'm reading it, like... Oh, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make logical sense. This doesn't make logical sense. 
that if you're if you're constantly repeating that same thing to yourself, you're going to stop reading eventually. You're going to end up being like, wait, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. if, if that's the way you're reading the text, you're not consuming it the way it's intended. You're consuming it like really secularly, which is also cool and also fine, but you're going to miss a lot of the like um, hidden messages. Mm. It takes the spirit to speak to you for you to really understand. So no filter. Like you, you shouldn't have a filter. Yeah. If you have a filter, if you have a little, if there's reservation, God's not going to reveal it to you. Mm. It's a very intimate thing. You know what I'm saying? God knows that the messages, he knows who he's speaking to. He doesn't, not everyone is uh, ready enough to understand some of the truths in the Bible. The Bible is not meant to make you feel comfortable. The Bible is not a fairy tale. The Bible is meant for you to examine humanity, the ugly sides of it too. And by the way, God cannot be ugly. I cannot say that. I will not even disrespect him that way. But also the sides of God that are not that savory mm. you, you, you face here. I really like how you worded that, how you oh. phrased that. Because um, the text is the text, right? It's the same letter as word after word. And I like how you phrase it. How I don't know how you say it exactly, but... You can read it and read it, but he's not going to communicate with you. Like, no. You're not, not going to get the message. Absolutely not. Because it's like same text, different experience. Clara, this is going to be a high tangy, but do you remember, I'm sorry to cut you off. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you said to me um, that there are some people who uh, off the jump, like ask you really personal, intimate questions and they don't even know you? It seems almost ill-placed. Mm -hmm. Why would God just give you all the gems if he doesn't know mm. you? Like, you got to get to know him. You got to let him in the car, babe. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, I, 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 when I say go on dates with the Lord, I quite actually mean spending time with him. You can't fake that. You can't fabricate that. If you're not spending time in the word, if you're not spending time praying, if you're not doing the work, mind you, I'm sinning. I'm sinning. I'm sinning. Okay, me. I'm a sinner. We know this already. I'm not perfect and I experienced throes of shame and guilt. But in spite of all of this, I'm still praying. I'm still, I'm, I'm trying my best here. I'm trying. It's not great and it's not perfect. Like I said, I drink, I do, I just took a CBD gummy. Like there are things that I know the world seems as fine or whatever, but I know in my heart, they don't make me feel great. Mm -hmm. And that is not an accident. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So anywho, um, wow, that was a serious high tangy if I ever heard no. one. Um, great question though, Clarita. Whew, okay, that uh, high tangy was dizzying. But hopping back into our main story. So the Lord spoke to Nathan and gave him this like really epic prophecy. It's one of the most important prophecies in the Old Testament, you know, um, um, discussing like a future Messiah that would come. How cool. Uh, but Nathan has to also break the news to David and be like, actually, I was wrong. Don't build a house. God's going to build you a house. Okay. <laughs> Pause it. I was wrong. My bad. My bad, King. Like I, I, I had a mistake. God actually said no. And that's kind of a, that's a, that's a moment to pause. Maybe you guys pause the podcast. Nathan told him, no, David, you're praying to build God a house, but God says no. David's prayers have been denied. He's been rejected, I guess, if you will. And, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't, and I don't want to go on a, off a high tangy. I just really want you guys to let that sit. Maybe I'll talk about it in today's moral and story. Like, how God gives us no's and it's still a part of his plan. Like, it may not seem like it right now, but you're not gonna like 
what God provides you with all the time. It's not your job to be the judge of it. Your job is to love God, trust God, have faith in God, and be as present as possible because you can only understand and receive God's love by being as present as possible in the moment, if you will. So I don't know, man. I was just thinking about uh, like David receiving no at that time. This is a king who never got knowed, even at this to this point. He just pissed God off for like one of the first times. But you can see that even God's anointed, even, even a king gets no's sometimes. And even then it's a part of God's plan. Vamos a continuar. Just to put a little button on, uh, you know, the conversation that happened with, with Nathan and the Lord and then Nathan with David and then the no, the refusal of, uh, or the, de the denial rather of God, you know, saying, do not build me a, a home. I have something for you. Um, David was so grateful. Uh, he actually prays in gratitude. And every time I read it, some, some, I mean, if you guys really want to hear a part of the Bible that discusses like gratitude, that little chunk uh, from chapter seven, verses 27 to 28, that David yells out loud, like prays out loud in, in appreciation for our Lord is so deep. David says, for you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel have made this revelation to your servant saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. That hits. It's also so symbolic too. Like we don't have to do anything. We don't, you don't earn God's graces. The gift is you being alive. That's the gift. You can't earn that. It's like God is, God is building a home for you. You know, it, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but let me know in the comments if, if you guys have any ideas to tack onto that. Now, the next chunk of this part of 2 Samuel breaks down um, a war that Israel had with the Ammonites and how uh, Syrian land hopped in to tag team, like, you know, how we like tag team for other countries, you know, bigger countries. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's kind of what happened. And even then, Israel bodies them. But during this time, it's just constant battle for battle for battle for battle for battle. And things start to get a little shaky uh, uh, for David. But ultimately, God is still uh, handing over land to David. However, one spring morning, David sends off his army to handle, you know, handle the Ammonites, the Syrians, but he doesn't go with them. This is very rare. A king is always to go to lead their army. You know what I mean? And of course, we know from the chapter before, David had divvied up a bunch of his work. You know, the best leaders know how to delineate jobs and roles. You know, he handled, he got the best priest, he hired him. He got the, this, 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 you know, I don't know if you guys, this is a callback to Moses's stepfather. The first thing he said was the Lord, one of the most important things for people in power is to know how to uh, divide jobs. You cannot do it all on your own. If you want to serve the Lord, you need help and it's okay to ask for help 
accept help. It's okay to command help. You know what I'm saying? So, but at, in, on the spring morning, David did not go out to war. He just let his people do his thing, which, like I said, is very unusual, especially for a war as big as what's going on right now. You know what I'm saying? Israel ain't in the clear here. So the text tells us David, and he's in his kingdom. He gets off his couch, runs to the fridge, grabs a beer, takes the penthouse elevator up to his rooftop. Wow, the amenities in this kingdom, okay? I wonder if he had a washer dryer and unit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Tangie. I do not have that anymore, and I wish I did. Oh, if there's one thing I miss is that darn washer dryer and unit, you guys. You can't go back. Anyways, back to the story. So David goes to his rooftop. He's just sipping his brewski. And all of a sudden, he sees a woman, a naked woman, bathing herself on top of another roof. Now, for context, guys, this isn't just some harlot uh, showering on a roof. During these ancient times, the rain was caught on the roofs. So it was very common for people to take showers on the roof. Okay? That woman's name was Bathsheba. Okay? David spots Bathsheba and he's like, who is that? Sade starts playing in the background. Romance. Uh, uh, what's his name? Kenny G? Saxophone? <laughs> like candles? He sees her and he gets drunk off of emotions he's never seen a woman this beautiful. He goes and asks his armed officials who she is. And they say, oh, that's Bathsheba. That's one of your army men's wives, Uriah, you know? And he goes, oh, he tells his armed people to grab her for him. Oh All right, guys. God. Yeah, hold on. I like need a minute because this is wild. This is wild. This is wild. Clara, I, I'm struggling telling the story because I'm still kind of like processing it. Like I said, David gets his armed officials to get Bathsheba. And um, I, you know what? Let's go into into some scripture for some for some context. Oh boy, scripture, Second Samuel chapter eleven, verses three to four. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, "Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite?" So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. Now, you guys, there are a couple things that I wanted to know. You guys, trigger warning, trigger warning. If you've been SA'd, uh, if you are a victim of sexual assault, please, uh, this trigger warning, okay? We're about to talk about some stuff here. There's no easy way to say this. Uh, David raped Bathsheba. Whoa. He R-worded Bathsheba, and I, I guess I was so focused on other parts of the story when I would read it in times past, but we're reading this with at least with me, I'm like reading these things and 
a way I'd never had before, you know? And it says nothing about Bathsheba consenting to being intimate with David. In fact, we know, uh, per the laws of hermeneutics, when two people are having consensual sex, they say terms like he got to know her or they married, like you know that they, they had sex or whatever. Mm. But here it, they, it does not say that. It also says now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness, meaning she really was just taking a shower. She was not doing, look like, siéndole tu sabes, she was not enticing him or alluring him at all. This was a woman she was taken advantage of. It also says that he took her. You know what I'm saying? That is not the same verbiage that you use with. So, you know, all of it points to she did not consent. And furthermore, if you continue reading, which we'll get to next week, but the Lord rebukes David for this act. And while the Lord is rebuking him, he is only referring to David being the, the person being punished, the aggressor, the whatever. So that's the Lord. The Lord knows what's going on, and he knows that Bathsheba was not to blame for this. Anyways, Bathsheba ends up becoming pregnant from that rape. Oh, my God. Come on. Yeah. And she tells, okay, hold on. Let's talk about this like girls, homegirls. She tells him, hey, I'm pregnant. Mind you, she knows Uriah is out at war. And David knows that Uriah is out at war. No, no way to fake that. It's Hold on, girl, because it's about to get Maury Povich up oh. in this Bible-ish. So David sends for Uriah, who's out at war, but he sends for, he goes, the, the king would like to see you. The king would like to see you. David calls up for Uriah. And of course, Uriah is a very uh, diligent, you know, uh, soldier, he comes back and he goes, you called for me, um, King, like, what, what can I do for you? Like, well, how can I be of your service or whatever? And David goes, Oh, you know what? You should probably go home, go back home. And we'll talk about it later, but go back home, dust yourself off, say hello to your wife. And then we'll just dust yourself off, whatever. You know what Make David's sure doing you. here? David's trying this. David's plan a is to get Uriah to have sex with Bathsheba so that He's the father of the baby. Mm. And you know what, Uriah, Uriah is such an obedient soldier. You know, it's actually a law, um, a, a celibacy, like war celibacy. So the men aren't allowed to have sex during war. It's actually like, it's a part, it's a law. So Uriah is so on top of it and so, you know, respectful of a king and the Lord that he's like, no, sir, I will not go to my wife and have sex with her. No, I'm here for you. What did you, whatever you need to do me to protect you. Is that what you, is that, that must've been why you called me to protect you. I will do just that, whatever. Oh David God. turns around and David's like, oh, it's not what I want it. Go fuck your wife. Go down, go. <laughs> now we got a plan. Now we got to do a plan B. And y'all, David says his plan B is to kill Uriah. So you know how he does this? Oh David goes to uh, um, Uriah and he goes, you know what, son, come on over here. Let's, he has like a, bun a dinner with him, like a bunch of drinks, food. Uriah ends up getting a little drunk. The next morning, Uriah's probably hung over, you know what I'm saying? David sends a note. He goes, all right, you can go off to war again. He sends a note and he says, but you need to send this note to Joab. You guys remember Joab? Joab is David's nephew who is the commander in chief, we know this from the last episode, which if you didn't listen to the last episode, listen to it, guys. Go to the YouTube channel. Give me those views, please. Anyways, 
So David tells Uriah, don't open the letter, but send this message to Joab, okay? And on that letter, you know what it says? It says, hey, yo, Joab, it's me, David. Make sure that Uriah is up front at the worst battle, the hardest one. Don't give him that many uh, armor and don't give him too many people, okay? Just do that for me, okay? Cool. That was what the letter said. Uriah didn't even know this, but he was holding his death sentence in his hand. Oh, oh yeah. Any worse? Like oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. So it ends up happening. Joab sends him off where he has to. Uriah ends up dying. And right now, David is not only a rapist, he's a murderer. In two chapters. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I know about the killing. I know about, about that. But the other stuff, I just... Ooh, that hits different. You know what I'm saying? But how how much of a mirror to reality, though? Because how often it is that men or women, but we hear more about men in high um, positions or positions of power, take advantage of their power. They just forget about values and they start, you know, become doing very very ugly. It's things. not okay. It's not okay, and that's why. The Bible puts such an emphasis on like fear and pride being the root of every time people fall and lust, you know, David, and we'll see it. Lust was definitely his Achilles heel. Also, I don't know why, and maybe this is a part of the message. Maybe I'm supposed to say it on here. I don't know. But you know what I was thinking? Like every single one of my women friends have been sexually assaulted by a man. Yo, this is so wow. It's crazy that you say that because I don't know who I was talking to the other day, but because I'm new in this country, I'm getting to know a lot of people and it's, and most of them are women. It's crazy how you come across all these strangers stories. And I don't know a single woman that I have met to a point where I can have conversations like that in my life that has not been sexually harassed somehow, including myself. And you want to know what's even more peculiar myself too. I know we've talked about it before. Maybe we'll, we'll have a deeper discussion on the Patreon or something around about this, yeah, but I, every single one of my girlfriends has been sexually assaulted or R word did. And of my male friends, they don't know a single man who has done that. Mm. Wow. You just gave me goosebumps. That's kind of curious. We may not be able to correct or do anything with the real sick perverts that are old and doing this, yeah. but I feel like if, if there's a young man here in the early 20s and, and lower, you still have time mm. here like to change your ways. Like, and mothers. And, and, and mothers, yes. Let's raise, our, let's raise our young boys to know that being vulnerable is okay, showing mm -hmm. emotions are okay, right? But more than that, because I knew, oh, hi, Tangie. Oh, I'm about to piss some people off. I feel like now we really want to equalize everything. You know, women and men are equal. This is great. This is great. You know what? Sorry about it. Some things aren't equal. And I strongly believe this. Men are here to protect us. Protect. So protect us. Stop hurting us. Don't hurt us. Um, and I, I, I want to say this, like in minor ways, not just the extreme ways, like high tangy, not high tangy. Um, uh, for example, this is again, this is nothing crazy and I don't want to seem entitled or whatever, but it's as acute as this. And it starts with things like this. I was taking an Uber and I got home super late. It may have been when I was out with you or Wheezy or one of you guys. I got home at like 4 a.m. 
or something. And I was wearing a short mini skirt, heels, you know how, like, you know how I go out and how mm -hmm. I do. I live in an area that at a certain time, you don't want to be out and about whatever. Like mm -hmm. this Uber driver actually leaves me. He doesn't stop for whatever reason. I don't know. Like I, I literally don't know why he, he re misread the Uber. I kept telling him to stop and he wouldn't, which automatically is very scary. Women at night in Ubers, we know, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's scary. And he takes me to a part where I would have to cross a corner to get home and I know how I look and whatever. And I was like, oh, do you mind just doing the block and leaving me right in front of my mm -hmm. thing? And he was like, I already stopped the thing. And I was like, well, I don't care. Keep driving. I said, I said, sir, I don't feel comfortable right now um, like walking that those block and a half looking the way I do. Please leave me at my destination. And he said, I will keep an eye on you. Just go, I will keep an eye, because it was a one way. Like whatever, so you know he would. So I said, "Oh my gosh, you are such scum!" And it's it's like the littlest things though. These are things that I mean, like by protect women. Like you had you the opportunity. Have, you yeah, you had two opportunities to just say okay, even if you didn't want to, and even if I was being a brat or something, you would do it anyways. Protect women. I I agree with you, but uh, I disagree on the phrasing though, because. Mm. I feel that we, ha we, sh we have to take care of each other, men to women and women to men. Because protect women instead of hurting us implies that what well, can like we should protect them too, and we shouldn't hurt them for sure. Either. Like I think it's a, a mutual. We we all should take care of each other instead of you know. And I also don't want it to seem like oh we're all damsels in distress who always need help. That's not what I'm implying here. Mm. I mean more of a like physically you're meant to protect us. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's more of a physical thing. Like show up, actually be there physically. Mm -hmm. Your job is to protect us. And yo, for the young guys, by the way, who like want to get pussy and whatever, want to see girls, girls love guys who are like decent and like yeah. protectors. If a dude, if I see a man like, you know, t tell another man to chill or whatever, I want to sit on that yes. man's face. <laughs> I want to do. That is what I would do to that man, okay? So women like this, just letting you know. But also, you're right, Clara. We should be protecting each other. And we it starts at young. Mothers, yeah, teach. Yeah, you got it. It's something that you teach, you know? So it starts at home. It starts with God. I, and I'm going to say it. It starts with God. It starts with God. It starts with God. Let him transform you. Let him transform you. Because automatically, if you have those proclivities, there's something, algo te está pasando, and it needs to be corrected. Mm -hmm, 100%. In the criminal justice system, sexually based offenses are considered especially heinous. Moral of the story is, God says no. A lot. King David prayed to build a house for God, and God said no. An anointed king with the Holy Spirit living inside of him asked for something out of the goodness of his own heart and was denied by God's own heart. When we don't get that job or book that role or ace that test, it may look like our prayers are falling on deaf ears or maybe like we failed at something. And those feelings may be real to you in the present moment, but remembering that God is with you in every moment will soften the blow. God is always with us, always listening. A no right now may be the very best thing for you 
but you just can't see it yet. When we trust in God implicitly, then believing that there's a silver lining in a crap situation becomes a whole lot easier. When God tells us no, he isn't holding us back. He's guiding us according to his plan, not our own. Ooh! I mean, ooh. Hey, Father. I don't know. I'm doing well, I guess. I'm mad now. He loves you, by the way. Yeah, dude, I don't know. You know, what is up with David? It really changed for me. I really like that dude. We gotta cancel him. Like R. Kelly. What?